0: You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. Would you send your child out onto the soccer field and say, never mind the rules, just you get the ball and do whatever you want? The child is going to get killed. In effect, that's what happens when you send the child out into life not knowing what people expect and how they are going to judge his perhaps very well-meant behavior.
1: Judith Martin, a.k.a. Miss Manners. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Where's everybody's manners gone? Doesn't anybody have good manners anymore? Well, for over 40 years, syndicated newspaper columnist Judith Martin, better known as Miss Manners, has been helping guide us through the often confusing waters of what is and is not good manners. In her polite but firm way, Judith Martin answers readers' questions about what is and is not considered good manners in today's society. In 1990, she wrote a book called Miss Manner's Guide for the Turn of the Millennium. And that's when she and I had one of many conversations we've had over the years. Now, as you listen to this interview, keep in mind it's 1990. So we have answering machines and we have fax machines, but beyond that, the technology is still pretty limited. There are no, there's no voicemail, there are no cell phones, there's no internet, there's no instant messaging, no Twitter, uh, anything like that. So keep that in mind as you listen to this interview. So here now from 1990, Judith Martin, a.k.a. Miss
2: Manners. Will Manners be any different at the turn of the millennium? They had better be. (laughs)
0: I am looking for a decided improvement. Now, they'll be different in any case because they change, uh, which can mean that they might get worse as well as better, and it is my mission in life to see that they change for the better. There are changes that are called for by different ways that we live, different philosophy, different technology, and so on. And the mistake that people generally make is that means all bets are off. I can do whatever I want. If manners are going to change, why don't I just stop writing thank you notes and saying please and things like that? No, no, those are not the manners that are going to change. And so that is why I don't let people go out there and decide for themselves what they want to change. I tell them because we want it to change in a way that will preserve the community harmony and make life a little more pleasant than it is now, not less.
2: But now, contrary to what some people seem to think, you didn't make up all this, all these rules, did you?
0: Well, no. Um, you can't uh, govern without the consent of the governed, as you learned <laughs> in political science class. Um, this is there's of course a very strong tradition of manners which has been interrupted many times rather brutally, but nevertheless there is a tradition that evolves and changes the way language and law evolve and change. A lot of what I do is deal with the questions of applying the rules or the spirit of the rules of the past to different situations of the future. So in that sense, um, it's not made up; it's developed.
2: Is there a difference, Lucky Roosevelt was here a couple weeks ago, is there a difference between manners and protocol?
0: Yeah, protocol you get paid for doing (laughs) manners. You're supposed to do for free. Um, They are very closely related. Uh, uh, Manners are to um, natural behavior, also known as violence, um, as diplomacy is to war. Uh, These are uh, sets of... Uh, behavior restrictions that you obey voluntarily in order to avoid something worse.
2: Well, what is the harm if my kids grow up not knowing how to write a thank you note? What is the harm if they don't say please and thank you and open doors for little old ladies?
0: The harm is that people will not like them, and they won't know why, poor things, because you will have shortchanged them. And they won't get any presents because the people who write them give them presents and don't get thank you letters in return, are going to get very fed up very quickly. The people for whom they apply for jobs Um, are going to get fed up when they don't realize that clothing is symbolic and that there are different ways of behaving in professional situations and in personal situations. The people they fall in love with are going to look at them chewing their food with their mouths open and decide that they can't face that at breakfast. And so it's very, very hard on uh, the children. The Lack of teaching of manners was meant to be the opposite. People always think, well, the poor things, why should I restrict them? But, in fact, you are shortchanging them uh, by throwing them out into a world where they don't know how to cope. Would you send your child out onto the soccer field and say, never mind the rules, just you get the ball and do whatever you want? Um, whatever feels comfortable to you, that's the current phrase. Um, and um, the child is going to get killed if people are going to travel him to death. Well, in effect, that's what happens when you send a child out into life not knowing what people expect and how they are going to judge his perhaps very well-meant behavior it, that is going to be judged badly in terms of um, the practices of the society.
2: But I wonder if, if the value of a thank you, for example, is somehow diminished... If mommy has to poke junior and say, say thank you to grandma.
0: You want spontaneous gratitude. Suppose there is no spontaneous gratitude. That's number one. Suppose the child really doesn't like the present. Do you spontaneously say mama doesn't help? Hey, I hated this. Why don't you try harder? Um, You have to teach people to understand the reactions of other people and to watch out for their feelings. That is not natural. It does not come spontaneously. You do not feel, people do not make a connection. You could give me a new car, um, presuming I was untutored in etiquette, I could adore the car, run around, love it, and not make any connection with the fact that perhaps I ought to show gratitude to you. I'm too busy driving my new car around. Um, The idea that all the laudable emotions that we try to show through etiquette actually do arise in the human heart without any help is unfortunately an erroneous one. You do teach the child, and Grandma may know. Now, the the mother is sophisticated. She tries to get the child to say something in his own words, and so it seems a little more uh, acceptable, Uh, but a little more spontaneous even. Once you teach that habit, the spontaneity can come. If you know the rules of how to run something... Then you can talk freely. You know how to run a radio station. You can concentrate on the subject matter. If you don't know how to run it, nobody's going to hear what you're saying.
2: My gratitude would probably be greater for a Porsche than it would be for a sweater. How how does my expression of thanks for those respective things differ?
0: Well, we do have an effusiveness uh, level there, (laughs) yes. Um, Actually, a sweater is a very nice present. Let's start much lower. I mean, I give you a candy bar and you say, why, thank you very much. Or somebody gave me a cup of coffee downstairs. Actually, I was extremely pleased and probably (laughs) very effusive in my thanks because I was glad to see the coffee. But um, had they handed me a a diamond necklace, I think it would have called for uh, a greater show of enthusiasm. Um, I'm presuming I wouldn't have to turn it back as a bribe. And um, uh, followed by a letter. Usually you can thank the person in person for a a present, but when it's an extraordinary present, it's followed up by a letter. Of course, there's always a letter when you haven't thanked the person in person and so on. Yes, um, I think I once worked out a scale when um, people send money for uh, wedding presents, which is not a practice I approve of. Um, it shows that you have no idea what the people would like and it lets them know exactly what you paid for it. But nevertheless, there was a difference uh, between um, your wonderful present and your extraordinary present and so on.
1: After the short break, Miss Manners' advice on how sorry you need to be when you're sorry. Now, back to my 1990 interview with Judith Martin, Miss Manners.
2: Now to take I guess what would be, what might be another situation when you have to express your your regret over something your your sorrow or your, your apologies over something yesterday as I was describing coming up I had an embarrassing situation in which I had to bring someone back to do an interview over again uh and I I was thinking before he got here how you know should I get down and and kiss his feet how how should I how best is it sufficient in a case like that to simply say gee, I'm sorry things happened, well, let's go on upstairs now. Or should I say, oh, gee, I'm really sorry, I'm apologize. I'm, I'm. thank you so much for coming, I'm, I really appreciate, That doesn't sound like a blithering idiot either.
0: Well, again, there is a scale from the excuse me down to groveling and kissing toes, <laughs> as you described. <laughs> and uh, in the incident that you told me about, uh, you made, through the fault of someone here, uh, made someone run through an entire, rather, probably rather exhausting performance twice interrupt his day and so on so that's a lot closer to the groveling level <laughs> than the whoops I made a mistake uh, uh type of thing
2: he was very gracious about it as well so it, it all worked but you out probably did
0: blither which is what brought yeah. out the graciousness
2: in him yeah, if it,
0: you just call him up and said whoops we made a mistake here come back and do it again I don't think he would have been so gracious
2: yeah you're right it, it, it is all a matter of degree and knowing Knowing how far to go, but not so far that you look either blithering or insincere, which is perhaps worse.
0: Yes, uh, although I'd rather have an insincere apology than no apology. Really? Let us say we're on the bus and uh, someone comes down the aisle with an umbrella sticking out and whacks you over the knees. If they turn around and say, excuse me. If you took that person into court and found out, tried to find out how truly sorry they really were, perhaps not much. But suppose that person just smacked you with the umbrella and kept walking. You would be furious.
2: You mentioned a few moments ago the new technology, the answering machine, the fax machine, uh, the different forms that we have now to transmit thanks, condolences, uh, apologies. Uh, if there's not somebody like you to make up the rules or to, or to advance the existing rules, how do you know what to do?
0: Aren't you glad they're, I am here, <laughs> yes? <laughs> there is a need, and I stepped into it. Um, the technology um, consists of tools which can be used well or badly. They're not in themselves offensive, except for call waiting, which is <laughs> self-offensive. Um, and when you talked about the range of communications, that, that also is, is a range of um, formality and seriousness. You mentioned condolence calls. If I leave a, a message on your answering machine that says, Hey, sorry your mom died. See you later. I called at 3 o'clock. It would be rather offensive. That calls for a full-fledged handwritten letter. On the other hand, if I um, fax you a message and, and say, can we meet for lunch at 12.30 instead of 12, it's an excellent way of getting something across without interrupting you the way a telephone may do. Um, and so these things, they they um, uh, can be very helpful. The answering machine is a marvelous thing. It, it keeps you from being at the mercy all the time of the telephone. And it's quite uh, mistaken when people um, say that uh, the function of the answering machine, which is to uh, limit the time that you're available and to s- sort out what's more important from what's less important, is itself rude. It's not. When you get your mail, you don't read it immediately, and there are some things that you answer immediately, and there's some things you answer later.
2: That should be that. That's the that's the the, per, the prerogative of the recipient, is it not? Yes.
0: Well, yes and no. It's not the prerogative of the recipient to, to decide not to answer an invitation, for example. Oh, true. There are obligations in there.
2: True, but if you're going through your message on the machine and you get uh, two calls from an aluminum siding company and one from your aunt, uh, you may choose, even though the aluminum siding call came first, to answer your aunt's exactly. uh, exactly. <laughs> call Um
0: first. Etiquette does call for judgment, and it is not simply that um, uh, situation A has rule A. It is very complex uh, the way law is. If law were simple, the police officer could look up the punishment for what you did. They take it into court. You talk about extenuating circumstances. You talk about context and motivation and so on. Etiquette expects you to do that in everyday life. It is not simple.
2: I was just I was just exactly thinking about just that because you have to know what the norm of behavior is supposed to be when you are faced with that little asterisk that says, oh, except in this situation, when we were just talking a moment ago about the answering machine, you had the, the, oh, I'm sorry, you hear your mom died. Uh, When my father passed away a year ago, we left on our answering machine the the message, well, we're not here because we've gone away. We've had a death in the family.
0: Yes, and uh, this is an excellent use, by the way, of the answering machine. I had not heard of doing that, but what you did was the equivalent of putting a black wreath on the door or uh, writing letters with black-bordered paper. Uh, The reason that people had uh, trappings of mourning, and we've unfortunately done away with all of them simply because they had gone to excess, which indeed they had, Uh, but doing away with them is a big mistake. And um, letting people know that you are in a vulnerable state because there has been a death in the family protects you from um, having to cope with ordinary um, uh, everyday life and be jovial in situations where you may not be able to do it. It also protects you from criticism. One of the things that happened when... We abandon mourning rituals is that people say, come on out, you'll feel better, come to the party. Well, suppose you do come to the party and the feelings of bereavement, as you know if you've lost your father, can be very strange. You can be up and down. You're hilarious one moment and then you're at the depths another in genuine bereavement where you're really devastated. Um, So if you happen to go to the party and you can forget it and you have a good time, maybe even more showily than you would if you weren't in this vulnerable state, then they all turn around and say... Look how callous he is. He's probably delighted to inherit the money, and he didn't care about his father. Well, this is ghastly. There's are the people who've told you to come out and behave as if you were ordinary. by the when you have conventional um rules for mourning, for example, you would not go out to parties for a certain amount of time. You would not be totally cut off because people who cared about you would come to see you, mm-hmm. and they would realize that you're in that delicate but state. But today,
2: who comes?
0: Well, that's, that's an unfortunate thing because death is still around. Death is not one of the circumstances in life that has changed, and therefore we don't need any etiquette rules because, hey, we conquered death, so who needs the rules? That is right there um in our lives the way it used to be and we need roles to cope with it
2: the other day i had a, a woman in who had written a, a a very simple illustrated book for children and she advises children if they're in a situation that they just don't know what to say if their their friend's parents are getting divorced uh the friend's father has died uh, the friend's pet has died she says you don't have to say anything special to say i'm so sorry
0: Yes, that goes not just for children but for adults. When people improvise and they say, hey, you know, we all thought that person was a jerk and we're glad you divorced him. Uh, you, then, of course, leaving the person thinking, all these years they thought I was married to a jerk? Or um, the things they invent to say on their own. Death, people often say, oh, well, you'll have another child or something of that nature. He would be better off. Um are highly offensive. All you want to know is that the person cares about you and feels badly.
1: Judith Martin is 83 now. She still lives and works in Washington, D.C. Her two adult children now help her write the Miss Manners column. And you can find easy Amazon links to Judith Martin's books at our website, heardeverything.com. And, while you're at heardeverything.com, listen to my interview with the woman that we referenced in this interview, former White House Chief of Protocol Selva Lucky Roosevelt. The important thing is that if something goes wrong, first you confess up, you hmm. do take the rap, and that's what a chief of protocol's for. You don't let your principles ever get blamed ever. And then, uh, when you do take the rap, you try to explain the uh, human frailties. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, you could scarcely go anywhere in the late 80s without seeing somebody holding a copy of a book called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. So next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my 1989 interview with the author of that book, Robert Fulgham. We all learn in kindergarten things like share everything, play fair, don't hit people, put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess, and take a nap every afternoon. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.